Happy Easter Sunday. And to everyone watching online, I know you're not here, but you are family. Welcome. We're so glad you're tuning in. I was uh, thinking this week, I was wondering what was the greatest arrest of all time? I was pondering that question so much so that I ended up doing an internet search and typed in the greatest arrest ever. And what came up was, first of all, this guy. Keanu, Keanu Reeves, perhaps you know him. 1993, he was arrested in LA for a DUI. The next person that came up was Bruno Mars. 2010, arrested in Las Vegas for drug possession. But then it got a little more difficult. Not so easy. The next person that came up was this woman. Any guesses who, as to who that is? Who? Lorena Lorena Bob. <laughs> Wow. You're just going to go ahead and say that right in church, aren't you? Lorraine Bobbitt. I, don't Google that. No, it, 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 I'll give you a hint. She's a singer. Cher. Someone got it. Cher. Good job. Wow. That was awesome. Yeah, that's, that's Cher. In 1959, she was arrested when she borrowed her friend's car and drove it without a license. And this next person, I'm going to be really surprised if anybody can get this. Go ahead. That's Jerry. Y'all need some prayer, man. <laughs> Come back and see me next week. I'll do, we'll do some marriage counseling. She's, uh, uh, I don't know how you know that, but she's right. It's Jeremy Meeks, better known as the hot felon. So basically what happened in 2014, uh, Jeremy was arrested for grand theft in Stockton, California. Well, the Stockton Police Department had a, a Facebook page, and so they put his mugshot up on the Facebook page, and it garnished 96,000 likes. And so a modeling agency contacts him while in prison, secures a modeling contract. So when he gets out, which he did, he became this famous model with 1.6 million Instagram followers. Apparently crime does pay. <laughs> and last but not least, what came up when I Googled the greatest arrest ever was Justin Bieber. In 2014, Justin Bieber and Khalil got arrested in Miami, Florida for drag racing a yellow Lamborghini. But I, I have to say, my son who's back there working the, uh, the board, Gavin, some of you guys know him, he's 18, and uh, when he was 10, he had major Bieber fever. <laughs> and, and he's gonna be mad at me, but I'm gonna embarrass him today. I found a video of him uh, when he was 10 years old. Show that video. some Easter love, Gavin, because that's crazy, man. But here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm getting at. The greatest arrest of all time, if we're being honest, wouldn't be credited to any of the people that I showed you. The truth of the matter is, the greatest arrest of all time is credited to this guy. <laughs> Through the death, burial, and resur re resurrection of Jesus Christ, death was once and for all arrested. If 
Ephesians 2.5, even though we were dead because of our sins, that's all of us, each and every one of us, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Friends, Jesus died in our spot for our sins, and then he was raised to life. And because of that resurrection, it validated the cross, and it confirmed his deity. That is, he was who he said he was, and he did what he said he was going to do. And because of that, the death sentence that stood against you and me was arrested and gone forever. <laughs> Praise God. And, and, and sometimes we talk about that so much that sometimes it becomes just kind of like routine, right? I, I, want, I, wanna, I want you to realize and, and, and to, to see what death being arrested really looks like. So we have our security team. Come on forward, guys. Our security team is going to show you what death being arrested actually looks like. Okay? So now you may say, well, that, that's, you know, that shirt's an extra large, too big for me. But you know what, friends? That shirt comes in your size and in my size. And it had our name on it. And because of Jesus Christ, he loved us so much that he went to that cross and died. Every sin we've ever committed died upon that cross that day because of Jesus. And because of the resurrection, it was validated. And we stand today forgiven. We stand today, today free because death was arrested. That's the name of the message today, the great arrest. Lord, thank you for what you did. We, are, we stand in awe of the cross and we are so thankful that it didn't end at the cross, that you proved that you were the Messiah, that you were God and you, you, you were raised to life, God. We just thank you for the life that that brings us today, the hope that that brings us. We're gonna celebrate that today as we get into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't have time to go through all of them, but let me just give you a few today, a few results of the great arrest. First result is shame lost its claim. Come on, say that with some, 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 some uh, energy in your, just tell your neighbor, shame lost its claim. Because someone might be living in shame right now. They might need to hear that. Minister to them, preach to them, say shame lost its claim. Come on. Write that in the chat today if you're watching. Shame lost its claim. Romans 8.34. Who then will condemn us? Answer, no one. Whew, that's, that's a mic drop and step away. No one. No one. No one. You know what no one means in Greek? It means no one. <laughs> Brutus, you know what it means in Hebrew? No one. Pig Latin? No one. No one. No one can condemn us. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. More about that pleading for us thing because that's actually a big deal. We'll talk about that in a second. But the problem is we live in a shame world. A world that loves to shame us. Always reminding us what we're not. God's always constantly reminding us of who we are. Right? And, and the world says, you're not smart enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not successful enough. Even pastors, you don't go to church enough. And we say that on Easter all the time. Guess what? I'm not going to say it. Because I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't beat you up. It beckons you. And so I'll let God say what only he can say. We love you. And if you want to come back, there's a home for you here. We're, we're a messy family. We ain't perfect. But we're serious about loving people and loving God. Amen. But, but I was thinking of this, this first dog we had. Seeing our, our first dog, 
was a little shisu. And I had to practice how I was going to say that. Because <laughs> I know you all thought I, would, I lost my salvation if I don't get that right. A shizu. And uh, this little dog, it was a rescue dog. And, you know, it had been abused. And we thought we were going to do, do, you know, do him a favor, right, to help him. Well, don't you know, every time we got close to that dog, go to pet him, he would cower. And not only that, but if you get really close to him, he'd bite. He'd lash out at you. It was a safety mechanism, right? He'd been abused. And, and, and then he, I remember one time I was giving him a bath. And I was in welding gloves because I didn't want to get bit. <laughs> but I think sometimes we're kind of like that cowering dog. Right? I mean, the world maybe has shamed us. or Maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we shame. Our, sometimes the world doesn't even need to shame us. We do that ourselves. The devil doesn't even have to do it half the time. We shame ourselves. And so we cower. We get into this position, this posture of, of retreat and recoiling. And, and God says, what are you doing? And then we don't want to get anybody to get close to us. So then we bite. Now we don't bite like that little dog. We bite with our words. We bite with that, that uh, passive aggressive post on social media. We bite with unforgiveness. Oh, you got me once. I'm putting up this wall. Whoop! You won't get me again true, but you're going to miss out on the life God has planned for you because we're cowering in shame. Friends, you know what the sad thing about that dog is? We only had it for two months and I don't even remember that dog's name. What is it? Stinger? Stinger? See, I didn't even know that. You know what I remember about that dog? I remember this issue. And I thought to myself, man, that's how the world is. That's how people are. You're known by your issue. But when it comes to God, he knows you as daughter. I mean, he knows me as son. Do, do I have some issues? Yeah, I do. I do. But he, he doesn't look at those issues. He looks at the redemptive plan for John and for LaMonica and for Tori and for each one of us because he loves us. We're not meant to cower in shame. I guess my, I'm just asking you today, to be honest, in church today, are, are you in a posture of cowering in shame? Because I want to tell you something. The cross gave us power not to cower. We've we got to step into the authority of Christ, into the power of Christ. You should not be in a posture of cowering. God gave us power not to cower. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. But, but here's what people say. But they say, but Pastor John, I, I'm not good enough. To which I say, you're right. You're right, and neither am I. We're not good enough to, to earn God's favor. Let me tell you, let me say it this way. We are defined not by what we do, but by what? Jesus did. We're defined by what he did. Take a deep breath, breathe in, relax a little bit. And, 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 and you know, we have a saying around here uh, that we love good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Amen? Forgiven people go to heaven. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want to do good things. Of course we do. But we don't do those good things for, for God to, to earn his favor, we do those good things for God because we have his favor because of what he did on the cross. Friends, you know, people say, but how could he look at me with favor? How could God do that? How could, God knows what I did. You know, God knows those, those, those dark secrets, right? He knows, how could he look at me after all that with favor? The answer is Romans 3.22. This righteousness is what? Given. Oh, good. It's given. Are you sure it didn't say earned? 
because we think it says earned. We want to do something. We want to perform. We live in a performance world. Everything we do, we're measured by performance. You want to make the team, you better be good, right? You want that job, you better be competent, right? We live in a performance world. But God, he flipped the script. He said, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. What's the catch? Mm, yeah, I mean, are you sure that it doesn't cost any money? Maybe I have to volunteer at the convalesc- convalescent home a little bit, help some old ladies, right? No? Hmm. What if, maybe I have to stop cussing. No. You're in luck. <laughs> Sinner! I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Nick. It's given. It feels weird just to receive all that, right? But just receive it. It's the grace and mercy of God. Grace has given us something we don't deserve. He gave it. It's given. I want you to think of it this way. I want to help you remember this long after this day is gone. So you're, you're in a courtroom. Let me go to PJ's little treasure chest. Oh, wait. I'm back. Okay, all right. This is the little court of law. Yeah, here we go. Court of law. You're the defendant. I'm the defendant. And um, the devil's just laying out everything you've ever done. Every dark secret, every sin. He's just going to town. And you like, you know you're guilty. The judge is God. You know you're guilty. Your palms are sweating. Your heart is racing. Like, oh God, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. I know that because I've sinned, I have a death sentence. I'm in big trouble. And God grabs that gavel. And here he comes, and here comes, here comes the rest. Here comes your death sentence. And he says, not guilty. But, but, yeah, he says, but he says, my righteousness is your righteousness. The, the theological word is imputed. God's righteousness is imputed. It's like the greatest electronic transfer ever. Like you go to your bank account and there's this whoop, righteousness. And God sees you and me as righteous, not because we're righteous, but because of his righteousness, because he was sinless and he died on that cross for us. That's how he sees us. And he says, you're not guilty. And I, and I, I don't think I did that God any justice though. Ephesians 6, 10 says, be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. I do not think God, if he were here today in person, would be um, using a, a 10-inch gavel for $12.99 online, made in China. And if I hit it really hard, it probably would break. So I think we need to do, honor God just a little bit better. There's a bigger gavel. All right. This is us, right? This is our shame. This is, you know, the old person we used to be, right? That represents who we were. Now, the world likes to remind us of who we were because they kind of, oh, you're damaged goods. I remember what you did, and I'll always know you for what you did. God says, really? I died so that you would be made new, so that you wouldn't have to cower in shame. And he said in that courtroom that day, when you, when you said yes to Jesus, and some of you maybe haven't, but you will today, you'll have an opportunity today at least, when you said yes to Jesus, that very moment, that shame was arrested. That's all I got? Arrested. Uh, guilt. That condemnation, it's gone. He said, it's, I see you as righteous. 
Oh, it's so freeing to know that we're loved, even when we make mistakes, even when we fall short. But here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the other part. It ain't over. You see, because the resurrection has, it, it was a one-time event with continuing implications, right? What are the continuing implications? Well, because he was raised to life, that means he's not dead, he's alive. Well, you say, well, what is he doing now? Glad you asked. The last part of that verse, 34b, he's sitting in, in the place of honor at God's right hand. He's with the right hand of the Father, pleading for us. Wow. Who does that? Who pleads for you in this life? Not a whole lot of folks. And, I, and if, you could, if you be part of this family, we'll plead for you. We'll fight for you. That's what we built this church on, is, is being a family. You know, and families are messy, but man, families have each other's backs. But, but he's pleading for us. We have an advocate. We have a defender. And here's the thing. Satan loves the shame game. Right? He loves to shame us. And sometimes he shames us directly through him or his demonic forces. But did you know that Satan is shaming you before God in heaven? Did you know that? That's why he has to plead on our behalf. If you read Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, you'll see what I'm talking about. He did it to Job, and he does it to us. Satan does. He's, he's known as, in Revelation 12, as the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us before God in heaven. And so what does Jesus, our defender, says? He says, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it, and I want to illustrate this. Uh, I need someone who's mean and a yeller. Mean and a yeller. So in other other words, it would help if you've been married. Uh, uh. Kim, I don't know, man. You look awfully good in that suit. I mean, I think I should reward you for wearing a suit to church. Are you, are you, are you? He's not the yeller? All right, I need a yeller. Brutus, are you really a yeller? All right, come on up here, Brutus. Come on up. And don't take forever to get here with your big rock star walk. <laughs> we want to get to the courtyard. We have some fun stuff planned today, brother. All right. All right. So here, here, here's, you're going to, no, here's the bad news. Is that you have to represent Satan. Okay. So here you go. I got you a little, I got you a little mask there. Put on. Okay. Oh, man, you got, that is one big cranium. Holy. That's a big old melon. All right. All right. And uh, so here's what we got. Hang on. All right. So here's, all right. So here's what's going to happen. Now, let's just say, uh, Tori, stand, will you stand up, Tori? It's you, you, your lucky day. You get to represent God, okay? You're the father. That's the father. Here's Satan, who accuses each one of us on a regular basis before God in heaven. And I'm, I'm lucky enough today. Uh, to represent Jesus. And so you're going to, let's accuse, since I don't want to offend anybody, although I'm sure I already have, just use me, all right? So you're going you're gonna to accuse me. Okay. And in case you don't know what to say, because you may have some stuff pent up against me, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this this could be really bad for me. I've been waiting to say, give him a give madman a microphone. So what, I have taken the liberty to prepare a list of accusations against myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Actually, my wife put that together for me. It took her like 30 seconds. Totally kidding. Um, and so here's what, here's what we're going to do. You're, when I say go, you're going to start, because this is, and I know we're having a little fun, but this is, this is a serious thing. Like, this is what happens. This is, this is the dialogue. This is the, 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 the conversations that are going on in heaven as we speak, okay? 
So you're Satan, the accuser. You're going to accuse me before God in heaven. And I am Jesus, the... Uh, what? You got, you got megaphone envy? That's all right. I'm God. We know how the story ends. We know who wins, right? God is strong. All right, so ready? So you go ahead and start hurling accusations against John as, uh, to, to the father. Ready? Go. Uh, no, John is more than a conqueror. Keep talking, big boy. He's chosen. He's loved. He's my masterpiece. John is redeemed. John is a chosen generation. He's part of the royal priesthood. He's part of the holy nation. He's my loving child. He's bought for. He's paid. He's redeemed. Shame, you have lost your claim. Woo! That's awesome. Yeah. That. I didn't know it did that. Woo. Oh, so. Shame was arrested. Thank God shame has lost his claim. It was arrested with Jesus Christ. Come on. All right. And the second, the second thing I want to point out today is the result of the great arrest is that hope is restored. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can clap. You can give God praise for that. Hope is restored. The moment death was arrested, our hope came back. And, and someone needs that today. Someone needs to hear that their hope is being restored. First Peter Chapter one, verse three, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Friends, amen is right. You know what that word hope means? It comes from a Greek word that means confident expectation. Now just think about that. Confident expectation. What are you confident in? from the world? You confident in the government? You, you confident in the economy? You confident in politicians? I mean, what are you confident in? What do we even have confidence in of this world? And then expectations. Anybody have any unmet expectations lately? Maybe, you know, from your spouse, maybe from your kids, maybe from your boss, maybe from a pastor or a church that hurts you. Unmet expectations. Hmm. Anybody know what this is? Yep, you're right. It's the world's first iPad. So our expectations are kind of like this Etch-a-Sketch. You know, we start off in life and we get married and, you know, I'm going to have these, I'm going to have a great life. I'm going to have a perfect home. I am going to be an amazing husband. Ask my wife about that. And you know, my kids are going to be great. They're going to be little angels. They're going to have no problems. I'm going to get a great job. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm going to just love my job. Right? We have all these expectations and we begin to, you know, 
we think that all these lines, and oh, here's, here's a little chimney. I'm making a little chimney on the house. Getting that? Look at that. Look at that. Oh. I kind of impressed myself right there. Made a chimney. But you know, we think all the little lines in our house are just going to connect perfectly, that our lives are going to be symmetrical, and everything's just going to be perfect. And then what happens? Life. Life happens. And that's what happens to our expectations. But that's also, if we're not careful, what happens to our hope. Some of you today, this is, this is what your hope meter looks like. Because what does the Bible say? Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Some folks today, if you're honest, you're suffering from hope deprivation. You're deprived of the fuel for your soul, which is hope. But I got good news. I got actually great news. Because if we believe the word of God is true, and I believe it with every fabric of my being, everything I believe, the good news is the new birth. That new birth brings new hope. And that new hope brings confidence, which means on our worst day, we can smile because our worst day is still a great day because we know how the story ends. We know that God is doing a new work inside of us. We know that we are bought for, we are redeemed, we are loved. It's going to be okay. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has be gone. Thank you, God. Gives us hope today. Jimmy Rowe came to the gathering eight months ago. And I want you to listen to his story. I want you to listen how death was arrested in his life and how God gave him a new life and new hope. Check this out. I'm ready. I entered prison um, in 1999. I was sentenced to 252 months total for money laundering, uh, bank fraud, structuring funds to avoid reporting, interstate transportation of stolen funds, uh, felon in possession of a handgun, uh, and a plethora of other things that I probably can't even remember. So 21 years total. It's overwhelming to sit down and consider 21 years. Uh, the first day you wake up afterwards, you, you don't want to open your eyes because as long as your eyes are closed, you can be wherever you want to be. And you know as soon as you open your eyes, you're in that prison cell. Prior to going into prison, I, um, I was a skinhead. And I got to prison, and there are skinheads in prison, but it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't enough for me. I ended up being affiliated with the California Aryan Brotherhood and the Federal Aryan Brotherhood. Things inside are, are different than they are when you watch it on TV and when you hear about it from people that haven't been there. It's, uh, it's not uncommon to see uh, a stabbing or a beating within five feet of where you're standing. You're not part of it, but it's hard not to be part of something that's taking place within an arm's reach away from you. 
but when you're in prison, you're doing a long sentence, you refer to being on the street as when I was alive. Because you know, most guys in prison consider themselves dead. And then comes this chaplain that, that, I don't know if he realized what he was doing or if he was truly just trying to debate the Bible, but I will tell you that he made a Christian. You know, he, he, made, a, he made me aware of, of what I was missing and he made me aware that there's a peace beyond understanding. I don't know how it happened, but three days later I'm baptized. I'm following Christ. It was a great feeling. When I walked away from the things I was doing, I had to go and tell my former comrades that, that I was done. The crew I ran with is blood in, blood out. You know, you, you came into this thing bloody and the only way to leave is bloody. So I grew up in the cell and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm gonna do this Christian thing and I'm gonna get baptized and, nah, man, you're just playing. Nah, I ain't playing. I'm really gonna do this. The thing that prison will do to you is it will change you. You can allow yourself to be changed, to become hard, jaded, abrupt, or you can choose to surrender yourself to a loving God that gave his son for you. And I will tell you that, that once the light comes on and once you're walking with Christ, the feeling of relief and the feeling of, I don't have to do this anymore, is beyond explanation. I would love to have a word for it, but it defies explanation. I think what I would say is that if I were to have done all that time and I were not to have realized that, that you don't need to be inside of, of concertina wire, razor wire, and walls to be in prison, you can place yourself there. And the key is to, to realize who it is that brings the walls down and, and stop putting them in the way of doing what, you're, what you need to do. The greatest arrest in my life wasn't the one that sent me to prison. It was the arrest that sent death to hell. Jimmy Rowe, where are you at, Jimmy? Where are you at? Stand up. Stand up, Jimmy. Thank God for your testimony, brother. Thank you, brother. Jimmy Rowe, in a sense, Jimmy Rowe was on death row. Think about it. You say, well, but it was still, it was 21 years. No, no. But because of sin, he was on death row. We're all on, we were all on death row. And you know what the world saw? They saw a racist. They saw a convict. They saw a felon. They saw a criminal, a miscreant. But God didn't see that. Even before you chose Jesus, he already chose you. He saw his son. He saw a son who could be redeemed, a son who went wayward, but through the power of the risen Christ could be brought back into a right relationship with Jesus. That's what God saw. And he didn't give up on you. In fact, he arrested death so that he could be with you, so that you could be with him forever. Hopelessness, by the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection, hopelessness, you've been arrested. Come on, give God praise. Some of you say, you know, that's a powerful story, Pastor John, but I've never been in prison. I think we've all been in prison. Come on out here, guys. 
Prison looks different to all of us. You don't have to have razor wire around your prison cell. For some, your prison is fear. For others, your prison's a bottle or a little pill. For some, your prison that's got you enslaved is your relationship, maybe with your kids, maybe with your spouse. It feels more like a, a prison than it does a home. For some, your prison's just complacency. You're just kind of going through the motions and, you, and you're not doing anything really bad, but you're not living in the call that God has for you. Listen to me. He loved you so much, he gave each one of us a gift. You have a gift and you have a call ordained by the Most High God who left heaven to be with you. And if you live outside of that will, if you live outside of that call, that in and of itself is an isolation that could be called a prison. See, we all wore this shirt. But thanks to the greater rest, we have access to the key. The key is Jesus. The only key to set us free. You can look for it and listen. People spend their whole lives in this world chasing this key. They look for it in all sorts of things only to be disappointed. A shiny thing here, a shiny thing there and then one day it gets dull you realize it was never the key. There was only ever one key, and the key is found in Jesus Christ. It's the key that can unlock you from your prison cell. John 8, 36. For whom the Son sets free <laughs> is free halfway? Partially, no. It's free indeed. And you know what? I don't care if we have to get, if I have to cut you out of these things by the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll get you out of there one way or another because Jesus came to set us free and he doesn't make a mistake. He doesn't fail. You know what his track record is? Perfect. You know what his win record is? Perfect. <laughs> we serve a God who sets us free. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Listen, yeah, give him a hand. Some of you today, you haven't yet accepted this key. And I want to give you an opportunity. Some of you, if you're honest today, you are in a prison cell. And listen, I am not here beating you up. I, I hope you hear me. I am not. I'm here telling you that God has a plan for your life. God has a, a, a good plan. You think, you think every other religion is an attempt to reach up to the deity, right? Every other religion, study religion. It's, ever, it's always, a, God flipped it. And he said, I'm coming down to you. I'm chasing you. I'm pursuing you because I'm in love with you. I care about you so much. Friends, you may never come back to the gathering, but don't leave without the key to your freedom. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Today, if you want to be free, Maybe you're in a prison cell. Maybe you haven't made that decision. Maybe you've run from God. Maybe you've made some mistakes and you feel shame today and you realize that God came to take it away. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to be free today, you want to step into that freedom, you want to run to Jesus today, just boldly right now, before you talk yourself out, slip up your hand right now, right now, right now. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Amen. Come on, slip it up. Amen, amen, amen. Be bold, be bold. This is your decision. This is your life. This is your freedom. This is the key that you need for your life. The enemy would love to accuse you right now and talk you out of that decision. For all those people that have raised their hands and are raising their hands, I want to lead you in a short prayer. Just pray, pray something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. And I can't be apart from you any longer. You are the key that I need. You are the key to my freedom. And so Jesus, today I make you my Lord and my Savior from this moment on. From this second on, I exist for you. I breathe for you. I live for you. My heart beats for you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me when I felt unlovable. Thank you for not giving up on me. And thank you for the restorative plan that you have for me. I am your child. I belong to you. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we are celebrating on your behalf. Come on. Come on. Come on. Listen, if you made that amazing decision, I'm going to tell you that's the best decision you could ever make. I want you to do us a favor. Stop on the way out, on your way to the courtyard. We have a connect table, and one in the lobby, and one out in the courtyard. Stop. We have a free gift, some, some things we want to just give you to bless you. If you made that decision and you're watching online, write in the little chat, I made that decision. We're going to celebrate with you. Or you can reach out to us at connect at gatheringchurch.org. As you see, the worship team is coming. And uh, we're going we're gonna to close before we go out to the courtyard. We've got some fun stuff out there, so don't miss out on that. Some fun and games, a lot of fun uh, stuff coming. But before we do that, I just want to invite you. Those of you who don't have a church home, we're starting our, a new series called Nudge next week. Learn how to live, to respond to the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that once you accept Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit? You have onboard access to the Holy Spirit. But so often, we don't respond to the Holy Spirit. This next series, we're going to be getting into the Word of God and find out how we can live under the power of the Holy Spirit and how that will impact our daily life. I want to invite you to come back to take the April challenge. That is, for the rest of the month of April, for three weeks, come to church. We invite you to church. And you see what happens if you take the April challenge. Okay? You see what happens to your life. You see what happens to your marriage. You see what happens to your kids. You see what happens to your thought life. Just see what happens. Take the April challenge. And God, I believe, is going to do an awesome, awesome work in your life. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to celebrate with this song, Death Was Arrested. We're going to celebrate as we get ready to head out to the courtyard, declaring God's goodness, and we are changed because of the great arrest. Amen?